Let's hear God's word, turning for our Bible reading this evening in the Old Testament uh, to the book of Psalms and to Psalm 23, uh, the 23rd Psalm, one of the Psalms of David, arguably the best known and the most loved of them all, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Turning together this evening to Psalm 23, arguably the best known and most loved of all the psalms in the Psalter, one of the many psalms of David. The psalm in which a shepherd writes about the shepherd. David, who was himself a shepherd, writing about the shepherd about uh, the Lord and for reasons which I trust will become clear as we progress I'm calling the message from God's word tonight pursued by God's mercy pursued by God's mercy three questions from this psalm this evening number one have you ever thought of yourself as being a sheep have you ever thought of yourself As being a sheep. Because David begins this psalm. First half of the first verse. By saying the Lord is my shepherd. So if the Lord is David's shepherd. Then David is one of the Lord's sheep. It's striking, isn't it, that although he himself had been a shepherd before he became a king, David sees himself as a sheep. And if I were to ask you this evening for what are sheep most famous, or perhaps better, for what are sheep most infamous, then I'm guessing that many of you, perhaps most of you, maybe even all of you, would say, getting lost. Sheep are famous, they're infamous, aren't they, for getting lost. And Jesus himself, during his earthly ministry, told one of his parables, didn't he, about a lost sheep. You remember the story about a man who had a hundred sheep. And he was counting them up, and 96, 97, 98, 99, but there was one missing. He counts them again, 96, 97, 98, 99, but there's still one missing. 
So what does he think? Well, 99 out of 100, 99%, that's not bad, never mind. No. He goes out seeking and searching until he finds his lost sheep. And that teaches us something of the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ for men and women and young people like ourselves. Psalm 23 is arguably the most famous chapter in the whole of the Old Testament, if not the most famous chapter in the whole of the Bible. Uh, And another of the the best-known chapters in the Bible, certainly uh, the best-known chapters in the Old Testament, is Isaiah and chapter 53. And in the middle of Isaiah 53, verse 6, we read these words. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Think about those words for a moment this evening. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. I put it to you that in that verse we have both something universal, something that is true of all of us, and something personal. Something that is true of each of us. Something universal. Something that is true of all of us. Isaiah writes, all we like sheep have gone astray. That is an all-encompassing statement. None are excluded from what Isaiah is saying. All are included in what Isaiah is saying. All we like sheep have gone astray. Adam, our first parent, went astray when he disobeyed God's express command and he took and he ate the forbidden fruit. And God's word is clear that the whole of mankind went astray in Adam. Adam's sin didn't just have consequences for himself, but he was the representative of the entire human race. The theological term is he was the federal head. And if Adam stood, we all stood in Adam. But if Adam fell, then we all fell in Adam. And so when Adam went astray, mankind went astray in Adam. And the result is that we are all born and live as stray. Sheep. There's something universal in what Isaiah is saying. But there's also something personal. Something that's true for us all. But something that comes right home to the door of, of each and every one of us. Because he doesn't just say all we like sheep have gone astray. He makes it personal. He says we have turned everyone. Everyone. To his own way. In other words that which is true of us all. In the general. Is true of us each. In the particular. It's important that we grasp this. It's not just that we are all lost sheep. In some general kind of a way. But it is that I am a lost sheep. And that you are a lost 
sheep. We cannot hide behind the general. Well, we're all lost sheep and we're all astray. We must own the particular. I am a lost sheep and I am astray. For we have each inherited Adam's sinful nature. It is true of each one of us that we prefer by nature our own way to God's way. We have each committed our own sins. My sins may not be your sins. And your sins may not be my sins. But we have each committed our own sins. I have committed mine. And you have committed yours. David likens himself to a sheep. Isaiah likens us all to sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And sheep need a shepherd. Someone to love us. Someone who knows what's best for us. Someone who's committed to our well-being. Which leads us to our second point. First question, have you ever thought of yourself as being a sheep? Second question, have you ever thought of Jesus as being a shepherd? Because David writes throughout this psalm of the Lord as his shepherd. Notice if you have a Bible open in front of you, the first half of the first verse, it's the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. In other words, Jehovah, the God of the covenant, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who has revealed himself to us in the person of his Son, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who is described by the writer to the Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20. As the great shepherd. That great shepherd of the sheep. The one who is described by Peter. In his first letter. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4. As the chief shepherd. The one who describes himself in John's Gospel chapter 10 and verse 11 as the good shepherd. Those famous words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the good shepherd. We're familiar with that translation. If we were to translate it as literally as possible from the original, it would not be I am the good shepherd, but it would be more like I am the shepherd, the good one. That's what the Lord Jesus says of himself. I am the shepherd, the good one. There are many bad shepherds. We can do without them. But he is the shepherd, the good one. And he teaches us there in John 10, that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that's a picture that would perhaps more immediately have meant something significant to those who first heard what Jesus was saying than to ourselves here in Birmingham in uh, 2024. 
Because the Middle Eastern shepherd in those days, as he cared for his sheep in the night time, he would bring them into the fold. And he himself would literally be the door or the gate of the sheepfold. He would lie across the entrance to the fold. So that if wolves or other such things might come seeking to uh, trouble the sheep. They would have to get past the shepherd before they could get anywhere near the sheep. And that's the image that the Lord Jesus is using here. He's the good shepherd. He's the one who lays down his life for the sheep. He's the one who by his death upon the cross at Calvary would do whatever it took. In order to save his people from harm and to keep us safe for ever. Is what Isaiah calls back in Isaiah 53. The Lord laying on him, that is God laying upon his son. The iniquity of us all. As Christ laid down his life for his sheep. Taking from us our sin and carrying it away at Calvary. Dealing with it once and for all. So that the guilt of it may not trouble us for eternity. Jesus is the good shepherd. And in this 23rd Psalm, David unpacks something of what that means. Something of what the good shepherd does for his sheep in brief uh, uh, fashion let me just highlight some of these things uh, from the psalm if Jesus in your is your shepherd what does that mean first of all it means that he meets your needs verse one the Lord is my shepherd says David second half of the same sentence I shall not want it's because he is confident that the Lord is his shepherd that he can trust that he shall not Want that he shall not lack any a good a thing. I remember many years ago at a Dudley convention hearing the uh, American preacher O. Palmer Robertson, who uh, is something of a Hebrew scholar, and uh, he gave us his own translation of that uh, first verse of the 23rd Psalm. He's better qualified to do that than most of us who occupy uh, pulpits. So for the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Palmer Robertson gave us this. And I've always remembered it. Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall never lack a thing. Sounded slightly better in his southern drawl, which I can't impersonate. But I like that. Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall never lack a thing. That's David's confidence. I shall not want. I shall never lack a thing. All I have needed. His hand has provided. He meets your needs. Second thing this good shepherd does. Is he restores your soul. Verses 2 and 3 are striking. Verse 2, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And verse 3, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
and those who are more qualified than I am to uh, make this judgment suggest that in the original there's something of a a parallelism going on between uh, verse 2 and verse 3. That we shouldn't so much read verses 2 and 3 in a straight line. As see, the first half of verse 2 relates to the first half of verse 3. Second half of verse 2 relates to the second half of verse 3. Verse 2 uses, we might say, more picture language. Verse 3 states it more plainly. So first half of verse 2, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Marry that up to the first half of verse 3. He restores my soul just as literal sheep are led by the shepherd into the green pastures that they might be nourished and uh, refreshed so the good shepherd is the one who restores our souls the one who nourishes and refreshes us spiritually The one who gives to us spiritual life and sustains us in spiritual life. He does this at conversion and he does it all the way through the Christian life. Uphill and down dale. He leads us. He makes us lie down in the green pastures and he restores our souls. He meets your need. He restores your soul. Third thing the good shepherd does is he guides your footsteps. Second half of verse 2, he leads me beside the still waters. Marry that up to the second half of verse 3. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The shepherd, he leads his sheep beside the still waters. And so Christ, he leads us in those paths of righteousness, in those right paths that we might walk closely with him. That we might be the people that he would have us to be. And do the works that he would have us to do. He meets your needs. That's wonderful. He restores your soul. That's wonderful. He guides your footsteps. That's wonderful. There's something more. And I think this is particularly wonderful. He blesses your trials. In verse 4 the psalmist makes reference to the valley of the shadow. And in verse 5, to the presence of his enemies. Verse 4, the valley of the shadow. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, uh, they comfort me. The picture of the shepherd with his sheep, even in the darkest valley. There's some discussion among the commentators as to exactly what is meant by this term, uh, the valley of the, uh, of the shadow of death. Uh, there are those who relate it particularly uh, to the time in which must come in all of our lives when death will cast its uh, shadow over us. There are others who uh, interpret it a little bit more uh, broadly and uh, to refer to any time that any uh, uh, close to us or near to us death casts its shadow over them and so in a sense consequently casts its shadow over us. There are those who take it more broadly than that still and would say that really it's just a reference to this world and to life in this world where as a result of sin death 
reigns. We live in the valley of the shadow of death. Death casts its shadow over everyone and everything in this world to a greater or lesser degree. I don't think we necessarily have to choose. I think there's a sense in which it's all three. We're always in the valley of the shadow. But there are times when we are more conscious of being in the valley of the shadow. There are times when we are especially conscious of being in the valley of the shadow. And so I think it speaks of the trials of life. Living in a sinful, fallen, broken world. And all the grief that that can bring to us in our day to day. But the good shepherd is with us. In the valley of the shadow. He is with us. In all that we're called to go through. In everything that we ever find ourselves up against. The valley of the shadow verse 4. And also the presence of the enemies. Verse 5, the psalmist continues, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. This sense that whatever enemies we may ever have as Christians and as, as God's people in this world, we have a friend who is greater than all our enemies. He is with us. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. As it's put in another uh, uh, place, he is the one who prepares a table for us in the wilderness. In the desert, in the place of, of barrenness, he is the one who comes near. And he is the one who feeds and nourishes and encourages us. So it's a picture here of the good shepherd blessing your trial. This is Jesus, the good shepherd. He meets your needs. He restores your soul. He guides your footsteps. He blesses your trials. And so I would encourage you tonight, my friend, whether you've yet to put your trust in this Jesus, this good shepherd, or whether you've been following him for many a year and, uh, and many a decade, this good shepherd, come close to him. Stay close to him. He'll love you like no other. He always knows what's best. And he'll never, ever give up on you. So, we'll ask question number one. Have you ever thought of yourself as being a sheep? And question number two. Have you ever thought of Jesus as being a shepherd? And our third question arising from this 23rd Psalm tonight is this. Number three. Have you ever thought of heaven? As being a sheepfold. Have you ever thought of heaven. As being. A sheepfold. David ends this psalm. With one of my favourite verses. In the whole of the Bible. Psalm 23 and verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy. Shall follow me. All the days. Of my life. And I will dwell in the house. Of the Lord. Forever. Forever. You see, the Bible tells us, and we know it in our hearts to be true, that there is life. And after there is life, there is death. And after there is death, there is eternity. 
And this life is but for a time. It is only for a season. But eternity, it is forever. It is all the forevers of forever. And where are we going to spend this forever? And what will be our experience of this forever? There's a story uh, many preachers have told. I've heard it in slightly different formats. uh, But uh, I'll give it to you this way tonight. You may have heard it before, in which case you'll recognize it. Or you may not, in which case you won't. But it's a good story, so I don't apologize for telling you if if you've already heard it before. A true story of uh, a Christian father uh, with an unsaved son. And the, uh, the father was a successful businessman. And his son had just graduated from uh, law school. And uh, his father, seeking to show an interest in and encourage and get alongside his son, took him out for uh, an expensive meal to, to celebrate his graduating, graduation from, uh, from law school. And they got talking and they were chatting about this and that and so on and and then in due course, while they were eating, the, the father said to his son, so, son, you've, you've graduated from, from law school. What's next? And his son said, well, got a job as, uh, as, a, as a lawyer. And I'm going to try to uh, do well and, and climb the ladder and progress and the father replied aha and after that and the son said well I'd like to do well enough that eventually I could uh, I could set up my own law firm and instead of working for somebody else I could have other people uh, work for you for me and I could run a successful business just like just like you have dad and the father said aha and after that And he said, well, hopefully along the way I'm going to meet the girl of my dreams and we're going to get married and and we're going to have uh, a family and I I, I want to be the kind of dad like you've been dad. And and his father said, aha. And after that. And he said, well, I suppose eventually I'll get a bit older and hopefully before I'm too old I'll have earned enough money and have enough uh, financial backing that I'll be able to retire early and, uh, and enjoy, take it easy and enjoy all the good things of, of life. And his father said, aha. And after that. And eventually his son said, well, I suppose eventually I'll die. And his father said, Aha. And after that. And his son had no answer. There's life. And God has given us all good things richly to enjoy. But then there's death. And sooner or later it will call each one of our names. And then there's an eternity. There's an after that. All the forevers 
of forever. And as we were reminded from God's word this morning, so we're reminded again this evening, there are two great eternal destinations. There's heaven. And the picture the psalmist encourages us to think of tonight is that of the the sheepfold. Where the sheep are home. And where the sheep are safe. And where all is well. Heaven is a sheepfold. But hell is no sheepfold. Hell is a place of ruin. Of loss. And of destruction. But you see what you must understand. Is that you can't jump to the last verse. Of Psalm 23. Without beginning. At the first verse. And that the path of this psalm. Wends its way. From verse 1. Via verses 2, 3, 4 and 5. To verse 6. You see those who would have Jesus as their shepherd. In eternity. Must have Jesus as their shepherd. In time. If you would have Jesus as your shepherd. Then. Then you must have Jesus. As your shepherd. Now. How will any sheep. Me you or anyone else. Be found safe and sound in the heavenly sheepfold. Well it's all about the shepherd. What does verse 6 say? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is why I said I was calling the message tonight pursued by God's mercy. Because... Christ in his goodness and his mercy. He pursues us. That we might be his sheep. And uh, that we might follow him. And it's only because he pursues us. That we are saved. And it's only because he pursues us. That we are kept. And it's only because of his mercy. That any of us will be found. Safe in that heavenly sheepfold. For all the forevers of forever. Some of you may know the name Douglas Macmillan. He was a Scottish preacher in the second half of the 20th century. He died when he was only in his 50s uh, back in the early uh, 90s. He was a minister in the Free Church of Scotland. And uh, among other things he's known for a little book uh, that he wrote on this 23rd Psalm called uh, The Lord's uh, my shepherd. He'd been asked to uh, give the morning ministry at the uh, Aberystwyth Conference. Uh, and he preached through Psalm 23. And uh, many who were there said it was particularly memorable. Because he, like David the psalmist, had himself been a shepherd before he became a pastor. And uh, he was asked to write up those addresses. And so this little book was produced. And you can still buy it. Uh, Today, The Lord's My Shepherd by Douglas Macmillan. I I commend it to you. But in that book, he has this illustration. 
He talks about how when he was a, a young shepherd in the Scottish Highlands, he knew a, a, an older shepherd in the Scottish Highlands who was also a shepherd. And this older shepherd, he had two sheepdogs. And he called the one goodness. And he called the other mercy. Based on this final verse of the 23rd Psalm. So that when he went out with his sheep, and he was seeking to lead his sheep to good pasture, he would send goodness up the one side of the sheep, and he would send mercy up the other side of the sheep. And as he did so, he would be reminded of the Lord's goodness and mercy to him. That he was a sheep of the good shepherd. And that the Lord Jesus had never been anything but good and merciful to him. Goodness and mercy. This shepherd who came seeking lost sheep. This shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. This shepherd who leads and guides his sheep. This shepherd who is still calling lost sheep. To himself. This shepherd. Whose mercy. Pursues you. Pursues you before you're saved. Pursues you. After you're saved. Day by day. He sends goodness up the one side. And mercy up the other. As he calls us. To follow him. We the sheep. Him the shepherd. All the way. To the heavenly sheepfold. Oh that we might each one know and be persuaded this evening. I am a sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. Heaven is the sheepfold. Jesus must be my shepherd. All because of his goodness. All because of his mercy. I can stand in front of you this evening. And tell you that this Jesus. This good shepherd. Is my shepherd. Not because of anything special about me. But because of everything special about him. Because in his goodness. He has pursued me. In his mercy. And he pursues you tonight, my friends, that you might be one of his sheep, that you might forever follow the shepherd, that you might be his sheep, that he might be your shepherd, that you might follow him on earth, and that one day you might dwell in the house of the Lord, not just for a moment, or even for a time but forever Amen